you have your Bibles, turn with me this morning to Mark, Mark chapter 10, Mark chapter 10, and I want to begin there at verse 46 and read through verse 52, 46 through 52, the remainder of that chapter. Uh, I want to preach out a very familiar story, a story I've preached from many times, but I want to bring some, uh, uh, some new stuff, some uh, fresh meat, some fresh word, some fresh manna from heaven uh, to you this morning, some things that God uh, showed me. Uh, in my time with him and in my study that uh, I believe that just will encourage us and challenge us and uh, strengthen us. Uh, I'm going to be reading from Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52 of the New Living Translation. Then they reached Jericho. And as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet. Many of the people yelled at him, but he only shouted louder, son of David, Have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, Tell him to come here. Or in other translations or in uh, other gospels, we read that that he says, Bring him here. You know, he was blind, so he needed some help. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on. He's calling for you. Barnabas threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. Can you say amen to the reading of God's word? I want to speak into your life this morning. And I want to say to you in a title, cheer up. Cheer up. Won't you look at your neighbor and tell him, cheer up. Look at your other neighbor, somebody behind you, and say, cheer up. Why should you cheer up? Because he's calling for you. Amen, amen, and amen. I want us to kind of just dissect these words of God here for a moment. And first, I see a couple of things here. And it would kind of be like a blessing versus a curse a blessing versus a curse but because the first thing that i notice is a blessing jesus is leaving jericho and and there's a crowd that has been blessed to see him wow how how wonderful that is in the physical realm this crowd is being blessed to see jesus Not only are they being blessed to see him, but they are being blessed 
to be able to follow along with him as he travels down the road. Wow. I mean, just, just think about that. I mean, here is a group of people living in a time to where the Son of God puts on flesh and literally in the physical walks the face of this earth exposing himself to the natural realm. And they are seeing him move in the flesh. They are beholding the very glory of God. And not only that, but they are being able to walk side by side and, 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 and in front of him and behind him. And no doubt, you know, they're able to touch him. And, and we, we, we don't see that that is out of the norm here when Jesus was on the face of this earth. He always drew a crowd. And that's the wonderful thing about Jesus. He does draw a crowd. Amen. When, uh, he was, when it was noised abroad that he was in the house... There in Mark 2, I believe, says that the house was filled. I mean, it was so full that other people were not able to even get in there. What a blessing to be able to sit down and, and to hear Jesus teach. And they came and they brought some man that was not able to walk. And he was carried on a mat by a group of men of four. And they tore open the roof and they let him down before Jesus. Everyone was trying to get to Jesus. Everybody was trying to get around him and, and to see him. And I think about Zacchaeus. You know, Zacchaeus, he was trying to get around Jesus and he was too short. And we used to sing that song in children's church. And I, I doubt that they still sing it anymore. But it was talking about Zacchaeus being a short man. But he climbed up in a tree and he was able to see Jesus. And there again, we see another crowd around Jesus. And, and there's a woman with an issue of blood. And, and she's been sick for 12 years. And, and this crowd is moving along with Jesus. So this was not abnormal. I mean, this was normal for Jesus to have a crowd around him. And when I look at that, I see it as a blessing to be able to walk with Jesus and to be around him and to literally see him in the physical eyes and, and to watch him move and to watch him walk down the road and to be able to walk there with him. What a blessing. But then, before we can hardly turn our attention and fully focus on the greatness and the degree of this blessing, we see a curse. And the second thing that we notice here is the curse. Here is a beggar by the name of Bartimaeus. And he is seated along the roadside leading out of Jericho. He's, he's sitting there, he's probably got his little tin cup, and he's begging. He, like the man at the gate, beautiful, in the third chapter of Acts, he, they would take him and they would set him there by the gate called beautiful, and he would sit there and he would beg for money or, or beg for alms, which is money, and, and people would come along and they would see him sitting there, and, and he, he's unable to walk, he's crippled on both feet, and they would drop money. He, and we find another beggar here by the name of Bartimaeus. And not only is he a beggar, which in itself is looked on by many as a curse, but he's blind. 
another thing that by many is considered a curse or, 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 or a handicap or politically correct, a physical challenge. So we see that this man is blind and, and we see that he is a beggar, but there is a, even a deeper thing. The Bible tells us that his daddy's name was Timaeus. The very, the literal meaning of his father's name was son of the unclean. So there just seems to be a cloud of darkness hanging over this man and his family tree. All the way back to his grandfather. So, so we see here that this poor beggar is caught in a cursed place. And many of us, <coughs> we, we run this race called life. And we have many difficulties. And situations and circumstances that arise and, and things that just seem to surround our lives and, and things that just seems to follow generation to generation to generation in our family tree. And we look at so many things and we think, man, this is, this is a bad thing. This is really a curse to me. This is just a bad situation, and I don't see any good in it. I don't see how that it is benefiting me in the least. And sometimes it seems like trouble just follows a person. Just... One curse after another, one bad situation after another, one accident after another, one physical ailment after another physical ailment. One bad relationship after another bad relationship after another bad relationship. One lost job, follow another lost job, follow another lost job. Whether it's a layoff, or whether it's being fired. But it just seems like in life that the curses that surround people are just abundant. And so we see both these things in the story here. We see a great, tremendous, and mighty, and wonderful blessing. But at the same time, we see the curse. I want you to listen carefully. I don't want you to miss this next statement. If you haven't heard anything that I've said thus far, please... Listen to this. Often, what you consider to be your greatest blessing is your greatest curse. And what you consider to be your greatest curse is your greatest blessing.
Got any golfers in the house? One, two, three. Got any fishermen's in the house? Yeah, putt-putt account. Got any hunters in the house? Got any ladies in the house? Then I know we got shoppers. We got shoe lovers. Gold lovers. Diamond lovers. I hear one of them now back there. You know, we get that new set of golf clubs and we take out that driver and look at it or, or we get that new hunting rifle, we get that new rod and wheel, we get that new pair of shoes, we get that new diamond ring. We get that new iPad. And man, we are just thrilled to death. Man, look at this. I don't know how many guy toys Don has brought by my house to show me. He'll come and show me one gun. Then he'll come and show me another gun. Then he'll come riding up on one motorcycle. But a new set of golf clubs or a new car. Yeah, I knew that one would get you. Or a new home. And man, we just, oh God, thank you Jesus. I am so blessed by you. Oh, thank you for this new suit of clothes. Or or thank you for this steak dinner. Thank you for this new barbecue grill. Or thank you for this nice bass boat. Or this nice ski boat. Or this nice pontoon boat. Oh, Lord, thank you so much. What a blessing this is. What a blessing to serve you. How rich my life is prospering. But then sometimes comes a thorn in the flesh. Mm. Apostle Paul tried to pray his away three times. He didn't look at it as a blessing. He looked at it as a curse. You know, maybe it's, it, it, it's that particular person that you work with, or that particular person that you go to church with, and they just kind of rub you the wrong way. had a lot of thorn in the fleshes over my 14 years some of them has moved on some of them they went on to heaven thank the lord that there's none still here <coughs> pastor is speaking out of a physical realm and terminology there Because understand, what we consider our greatest blessing can be our greatest curse. And what we consider to be our greatest curse can be our greatest blessing. Understand, it was his place of lack in being a beggar. It was his blindness 
that brought him face to face with the Son of God. What looked like his greatest curse became his greatest blessing. But what so many people look and see and count as their greatest blessing becomes their greatest curse because it begins to separate them from the giver of it. That curse that you're dealing with today that you've labeled in your human reasoning as a curse understand that God can work great and mighty purpose through it and in it. I believe it was T.D. Jakes that said one time, if you can't pray it away, if you can't believe it away, if you can't speak it away, if you can't worship it away, well then God must have it there for some particular reason. God told Paul, he said, in your weakness, my strength is made perfect and my grace is sufficient. We've got to change the way that we are perceiving things. Our perception must begin to change. In other words, to get the fullness out of everything that God is for our lives. Now, I want to go back to this crowd that's following Jesus. Uh, I want to refer to this crowd as the Jesus circle. The Jesus circle. I mean, like I've already pointed out over and over and over, you see this Jesus circle wherever he goes, you know. You've got... uh, Brendan, help me preach here a minute, okay? You're, you're, yeah, his posse. Yeah, you know, just all you got to do is just stand right there. You think you can do that? Just stand there and look good. Okay. All right. And you've got this Jesus circle, you know. They just, they, they're, man, they're circling around him. Man, they, and then, you know, they're just moving along with him, you know. And man, all oh, just crowding. And, and man, you know, it's just, just like a magnet, you know. They just keep on coming in. And, you know, it's, it's the Jesus circle. Boy, you know, he picks up his pace, man. They'll be backpedaling. And they're just all around him. Thank you. Just just, just have him surrounded. And, and at times, it, uh, it, the press would be so great and so much on him that people couldn't even, like the woman with the issue of blood, have difficulty in even getting to him and reaching him. And, and, and this Jesus circle, you ask him, do you believe in God? Oh, yes. The Jesus circle believes in God. You ask him, well, do you know Jesus? Oh, yes, I know Jesus. This Jesus circle, they, they know Jesus. They, they believe in God. And they, they just revolve around him. And, 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 and this Jesus circle is just, it has about every imaginable type of person that there is in it. I mean, it, it, it is just doctors, lawyers, tax collectors, thieves. I mean, just everyone. It, 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 it's, 
Just like I said, you imagine the type of person and, and you'll find them there in this Jesus circle. And the, the, their, their character, the character of this Jesus circle is basically, it, it's, its character consists of religious spectators that just revolve around the outer portion surrounding the true gospel core. I'm going to say that again. This character of this Jesus circle is a group of religious spectators. They have some type of form of religion and they revolve as spectators around the outer portion. You might say the outer courts of the true gospel core. And listen, they have an objective here. And that is to stop. All interferences and disturbances in the sphere or the realm of their perception of the gospel. That's that's the Jesus circle. A group of religious spectators. Every type of person that you can even imagine. Oh, they believe in God. They know Jesus. And they evolve or revolve around him, spectating, with the purpose of stopping all interferences and all disturbances in the sphere or the realm of their perception of the gospel. You see this circle trying to shut up Barnabas. Hey, Jesus, Jesus don't have time for that. Oh, that, that, that stuff's not of God. What time is it? Uh, you know, this is, this is getting a little ridiculous, Pastor. Think about it for a moment. How many times have we been guilty? Something begins to cause a stir. Something begins to move. Something begins to happen. And, mm, we kind of begin to... Oh man, that's, we need to shut that down. That's making me feel a little uncomfortable. Mmm, I, oh, I, I don't perceive that. I, mmm, mmm. Mmm, uh. 
I, I, don't, I don't know about you standing up here during praise and worship doing this stuff right here. Uh, I don't know about you laughing like this at the sermon now. I don't know about that pastor wearing those untucked shirts and jeans for church now. You know, I, I, you know, he can't afford a suit. We'll take up an offering. We'll get him a suit and tie now. I can't believe they allow her to sing on the praise team. Oh, that person, God will never forgive that person. He can never use that one in his kingdom. It's this Jesus, sir. And anything that begins to create a vibration on the web that they've spun... They're seeking to strike it down and to cage it in so it moves no further. They are the guardians of the gospel according to their perception. Not according to the gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. No, 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 no. Too many times we get the gospel of Steve Gowd. Or the gospel of Mike Craig Brown. Or the gospel of Ron Foltz. Or you just insert your name there. We've all been guilty. Come on. Come on now. We've all been guilty of it. We've all walked in that Jesus circle. And some of us may have even walked in a little bit this morning. But that's not what he's about. That's what the Jesus circle. And that's what they were trying to do. Brian Barmes is, is crying out, Son of God. Son of David. Jesus, have mercy on me. Don't give me what I deserve. Give me mercy. Let me have some of that unmerited favor. The Jesus circle. Huh? There's a little vibration happening there. It even makes Hunter feel good. Preach on, Pastor. Give him truth. Now, then let's get away from that group. Jesus is moving along. And all of a sudden, there's a turbulence in the spiritual realm. Jesus is moving along, and all of a sudden, there's a turbulence in the spiritual realm. How many has ever flown on an airplane before? Okay, had some hands raised and some heads nodding. Little Don shaking his head now. Well, you've went fast enough on a motorcycle, so that's good enough. 
But you can be flying along there. And you can just be having a, a wonderful conversation with the person seated next to you. And then you can just be smiling. Everybody, you know, is all cheerful. You know, maybe there's a movie show. Maybe you're eating your peanuts and having your little uh, soft drink. And uh, all of a sudden, the plane hits some turbulence. And it begins to vibrate. And it begins to shake. And all everybody begins. Now, now some are minor, you know, but some are really disruptive. And, you know, plane drops a couple hundred feet. Whoa. What was that? Please fasten your seatbelts. It's a turbulence. And, and we've all been thousands of feet above the ground, or most of us anyway, and experienced that. And that turbulence was unnoticed by the physical eye. I mean, you didn't see it, but you felt it. And what happened? It got your attention. It was an attention getter. You ever heard that phrase, that phrase used? You know, man, boy, that car, that, that's an attention getter. Oh, yeah, when I drive this down the highway, man, I'll be at a stop sign and people be looking and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Or, man, that motorcycle. If it didn't have that Steeler stuff on there. Amen. I mean, no, it's an attention getter. Every Steeler fan in Longview probably knows who that trike belongs to. But it's an attention getter. Some hairstyles are attention getters. Some hats are attention getters. Some shoes are attention getters. Some smiles are so white, they're attention getters. Some of them are so yellow, they're attention getters. But there are things that just absolutely are attention getters. And when you hit a turbulence, it's an attention getter. But that day, there was a turbulence in the spiritual realm, and it got Jesus' attention. I mean, the Bible says that immediately he stops. What was it? What was the turbulence? What caused that vibration, that turbulence in the spiritual rim that day? What caused Jesus to stop in his tracks? It was the hungry, broken, desperate cry, prayer and worship of this beggar got the attention of Jesus, who, like I said, stops dead in his tracks the minute he entered this spiritual turbulence. Jesus says, bring the man here. The Jesus circle tried to stop what was happening. Buddy, you're unworthy. Don't you ever call his name out like that again. Don't you ever talk to Jesus like that again. Don't you ever use his name like that again. Don't you ever think that he would ever show you any kind of mercy. Don't you think that he would bless you in any ways? 
You're unworthy. You're undeserved. Jesus don't have time for people like you. Jesus doesn't have time to operate and to move like that. They tried. They said, be quiet. They tried to stop it. But they couldn't. Because this beggar was hungry. He was thirsty. He was desperate. And he cried out in prayer and in worship. And it, I mean, it caused a turbulence and boom, just like that, Jesus stops. He said, whoa, what is that? Call that man over here. Bring that man over here right now. And then he asked this question. What do you want me to do for you? How many in this place would love to hear Jesus ask you that question? About 100%. Let me put it like this. If there's anybody in here that wouldn't want Jesus to ask you that question, just raise your hand. Okay, that makes it unanimous, 100%. Everyone would just love for Jesus to say, come here, come here, come here, come here. What can I do for you? But now let me ask you another question. If he asked you that, would you know how to respond to it? If you stood before the Son of God in the manifested physical realm today and he said, what do you want me to do for you? You said you wanted him to ask you that. What would your response be? Would it be put $10 million in my bank account? Would it be park me a red Ferrari out there on the parking lot? Would it be build me a mansion? Right smack dab next to the Dallas Cowboys football stadium. Or would it be, make me like you? I want to be exactly like you. Jeremiah 33 and 11. There shall be heard again. Read it now, the Amplified. Jeremiah 33 and 11 out of the Amplified Version. There shall be heard again. There shall be heard again. There shall be heard again. The voice of joy and the voice of gladness. The voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride. The voices of those who sing as they bring sacrifices of thanksgiving. As they bring spiritual turbulence into the spiritual realm. It brings sacrifices of thanksgiving into the house of the Lord. Give praise and thanks to the Lord of hosts. For the Lord is good and his mercy and kindness and steadfastness, love endures forever. What does that say to me? That says to me that the gospel core that walked the face of this earth there in Mark chapter 10 is still full and vibrant and overflowing with unending love and mercy and grace.
Hebrews 13 and 8. Hebrews 13 and 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ, the man in Mark chapter 10, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same Jesus that walked the face of this earth is still the same today. He's still asking the same questions. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? He still has mercy, unending mercy. It's the same and it'll be the same forever. It was the same for Abraham and for it was the same for Adam and Eve. It was the same for Moses. It was the same for Daniel. It was the same for Isaiah. It was the same for Ezekiel. It was the same for Mary. It was the same for John and Andrew and Peter. It was the same for the Apostle Paul. It was the same for all those men and women in the Bible. And it has been the same for everyone. Every since the death of Christ, it was the same for the thief that hung by his side there on Calvary it is the same he still is full of love mercy and grace he is still asking the questions what do you want me to do for you he's Jesus the same yesterday today and forever somebody to come to the keys they would please somebody just to come and to begin to play Stephen Paul, you'll get your mic and come, and I I want you to close us out in prayer this morning. I I, I just want you to just pray here in a little bit over this congregation of people. I, I want this word to saturate. I want it to take root, and I want it to transform lives. I want it to change us. I've preached enough messages over the 14 years that I've been here to save this entire city. It's time we begin to do something, including myself, with this word that God speaks to us on Sundays and on Wednesdays. We see Jesus moving along down the road of life that day. He's just waiting on something to happen. He goes through Jericho. Jericho should have never been rebuilt. But he goes through it. Nothing is said about anything happening. And he's leaving it now. Jesus is just moving along the road. And the Jesus circle is surrounding. But nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. And Jesus is just walking along there. Just waiting for something to happen. Just waiting for something to happen. We've all heard this, the old saying, man, that's an accident waiting to happen. You 
know, you see some ladder or something, you know, you see some situation, you know, that looks kind of dangerous and you just think that's an accident waiting to happen. Or, you know, people that have accidents over and over and over, you know, sometimes you just look at them and say, man, bless his heart or bless her heart. They're just an accident waiting to happen. I want to declare to you this day, Jesus is a movement just waiting to happen. Jesus is a movement just waiting to happen. He is a miracle just waiting to happen. He is revival just waiting to happen. He is salvation just waiting to happen. When the turbulence of our hunger, thirst, and desperation breaks through with brokenness, compassion, and love, refusing to be silent. And begins to upset the spiritual realm through prayer, through holy desire, and true worship. A movement of this true gospel core will break out in the place we live. I'm going to read it one more time, and Stephen's coming to pray. When the turbulence of our hunger, thirst, and desperation, birth through brokenness, compassion, and love, refuses to be silent and begins to upset the spiritual realm through prayer, fasting, holy desire, and true worship, a movement of the true gospel core will break out in the place that we live would you stand to your feet and if it's appropriate take the hand of the person next to you if you want to stretch across the aisles Stephen Paul is coming to pray a spirit led prayer over this congregation of people I want us to pray with him and to come into agreement amen that this word that this seed that has been sown in our lives and in this place today that will go out over the media will bring forth a harvest of 30 60 and 100 fold that god's word says it's capable of bringing forth in the name of jesus let us be unified and come into agreement as the spirit of the lord prays through us today for the will of god your word that has been spoken in this house today we thank you for the seed that has been sown and I pray now dear God I pray that God we would hear God that we would hear the word and we would receive the word God, the only way that we can produce a harvest from this word today is if we hear it and receive it. 
I pray, God, let it not just be a casual word to us. Let us not just take it as common. But I declare today the word of God transform us and change us. I declare today that our eyes be open. This part of Mace, his eyes were open. His spiritual eyes were open before his physical eyes were ever open. I pray today that you would open our spiritual eyes. And we would hear the call. We would hear the call deep in our spirit. In the midst of the crowd, blood Bartimaeus heard the call. I pray in the midst of our life, in the midst of our busy schedule, in the midst of our family, in the midst of our storms, in the midst of those things that seem to be curses, I pray that we would hear the call. That the call of the Spirit penetrate us this day. Let the call of the Spirit of God, the call, the ring from heaven, let us shake us to our core today. Let us move out of the Jesus circle. Let us move out of religious spirits, religious action, the form of godliness, but denying the truth, the form of I'm going to go to church, but I'm my, but my life's going to stay the same. I'm going to pay my tithes, but my life's going to stay the same. I pray, God, that you would actually absolutely shake us to the very core, disrupt our lives, God, disrupt us. Disrupt us, disrupt our families, disrupt our marriages, disrupt our sleep, disrupt our gifts, disrupt our prayer time, disrupt our Sunday morning service. I call you this morning, cross the line, cross the line, cross the line of what's politically correct, cross the line. I declare turbulence in the spiritual realm. I declare a shaking in the spiritual realm. I declare a shaking in your spirit, in your heart. I declare a shaking. Everything that can be shaken, I declare this morning that it be shaken. I pray let our worship, let our prayer, our lives create turbulence. I pray, God, when you called by Bartimaeus, he threw all, everything he had, all he had, he was a blind beggar, all he had was a garment, but he threw it off. I pray everything we have, that we would throw it off, everything that seems to be sacred to us, everything that would hold us back, everything we have, I declare this day that we would throw it off. And then we would set our spiritual eyes upon you. We begin to live in a world that is unseen. That is all about faith. Shake us. Move us. And change us. God, I pray today that you would open our eyes to the blessings that you have of our life. We love you.
change us. Why not? Why not now? Why not this sermon? Why not today? You're calling. You're calling. You're calling. In Jesus' name, we declare it and ask. Amen.